Welcome to the living room, a cozy place of candid conversation. We're a group of women in various ages and stages of life. Join us for thoughtful discussion with a side of humor. We chat about everything from parenting issues to life balance, what matters most, and how to make it happen in everyday life. Settle in just to listen or feel free to add your comments online at www.fromthelivingroom.com. And now, your hosts for today's show. Hi, and we're so glad that you're welcome, or we welcome you to the living room. We're so glad you're joining us. I am Jody, and I'm hosting your show today. And here is Jana, Michelle, and Michelle. So you've got the three of us today, and today we're talking about the topic of regret. Now, this is a bit surreal to me because when I first submitted this idea for a show on regret to my co-hosts, I hadn't gone through what I recently just have gone through. I went through a cancer scare, and I had no idea that when I submitted that idea for a show that one week after I'd finished my outline that I'd be in an emergency room hearing the words, Jody, you have a tumor in your right lung, and it looks like lung cancer. I remember the ER doctor holding up a copy of my CT scan, and he was pointing to an obvious white mass on a black screen. And what was processing in my mind was lung cancer. I've, I've not smoked. I, I, I don't have any history uh, of something that might cause it. Uh, suddenly, my world became nonsensical. I remember holding my husband's hand and looking at the doctor and saying, well, what now? The doctor said that he would admit me to the hospital immediately because I actually did have pneumonia. And that needed to be cleared up before I could have biopsies. The doctor then left the room and a staff member came in uh, with a bunch of paperwork. We filled it out for insurance and everything just kind of, you know, circled into oblivion. Once my husband and I were left alone, that's when the tears came and we said a prayer together. And thankfully that prayer brought us some immediate peace and comfort. We'd asked that we feel a confirmation that when we would meet the pulmonologist and the oncologist and the radiologist in the next 24 hours, that we would feel good about having them treat me and that they'd be able to tell us the direction that we should go and the steps that we should take next. So in the next 24 hours, we had quite a hustle and bustle of doctors and nurses coming in and out of my room. I met Dr. Farouk, who was a pulmonologist, and he was the one that came in and actually explained to me why he was so concerned that we needed to act quickly, um, that possibly we were looking at removing half of my right lung. We felt that this was the right direction to go. With faith and prayers, we moved forward, and those faith and prayers really helped us face the unknown with courage. I remember when we tried to call my parents and my husband's parents, my husband, as he held the phone, he couldn't get through the words. Uh, we've just been told that Jody has cancer, mom and dad. So I took the phone from him and I explained and uh, through my tears, we just said, just let's all pray. So fast forward a little bit, a week later, um, after being in the hospital and having the biopsies and the pneumonia had been cleared up at least enough for me to then look at surgery. And when I met the surgeon, he again explained why it was so highly suspicious for lung cancer and just said, we don't have much time. We need to do an immediate um, lobe removal. So I was prepared for surgery um, and we went into it thinking, what if? What if it is cancer? Likely, literally swaying to the end of the spectrum that it was because that's what the CT scan said, the, the pathologist, the blood work. 
um, it gives you a lot of sense to think about regrets. You know, I can't say I ever want to go through looking through the glass that what, what if you die? What if you don't have more time on this earth? You know, what, what would your regrets be? It is kind of a surreal experience and I'm glad it only lasted for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. because it, this experience that I went through really wrapped up rather quickly for what it could have been. So before I went into surgery, um, a couple of days, the pulmonologist called and said, you know what, Jody, the, the biopsies aren't showing. Um, they're inconclusive. We, we have a lot of mass that we've collected that's probably the pneumonia. And so we do still think that surgery is the best option. And um, then we'll look into radiation and so forth, you know, afterwards. I was really, really lucky. In fact, we consider it a miracle. Um, After I came out of surgery and I awoke, I don't know how many hours it was, but um, the surgeon stood at the foot of my bed, wiggled my toe and said, hey, you don't have lung cancer. They had tested the mass in liquid nitrogen, which is the test that they do, and uh, it showed that there were no active cancer cells. Um, Wow. (laughs) That was my summer. And so um, as we record the show, I'm about seven weeks out of surgery and in in recovery and doing remarkably well, looking at a few other uh, breathing tests and things to just help me keep my lungs healthy. But I want to explore that question how do we live without regret? Again, I, I've never gone through anything like that before where I had to just think of what would I, what would I change immediately? What would I do differently? And knowing that I really can't go back and redo anything, it is what it is. Um, but what can we learn from that? What did I learn from that? I learned so many things. Um, and I'd like to have us just ponder this idea of how do we live our lives daily in such a way that we try our best to live without regrets? Let me ask you something really quick, Jody. In those moments when you thought these might be your last days on earth, what, what came up for you? You know, I will say right off the bat that I was amazed at the peace that I felt mm-hmm. that as I did look at my 47 years on this earth. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't dwell a whole lot on anything negative because we had to draw strength right. together. Right. And so at least while I was, I, I told my husband, the hospital felt like a cocoon. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I felt like angels were present. I did. Yeah, um, in fact, were. I know they were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had some sacred experiences that allowed me to know that yes, indeed they were there. But it was surreal enough for me to realize that, you know, in that moment of, hey, this is what the diagnosis is that we're looking at. This is what it could mean. And having that flip through your mind, I could I could die. And yet I didn't feel like I was going to, but I didn't spend time in the dark. I didn't spend time in the sadness and the sorrow of, oh, I'm going to go back to my high school year, 1987, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I didn't go there. All of a sudden it was this focus of, okay, here we are. What, what are we going to do now? I was sick in a hospital, not feeling good. You know, for the first week we were trying to get rid of pneumonia, it was a pretty, um, 
it was painful and, you know, I was ill. Um, the people that came to visit me, I just, oh, I loved the visits. And yet, um, sometimes it was nice also to be by myself. My daughter, my 17 year old daughter actually spent the night, two nights with me in the hospital. And that was the sweet, that is sweet. That was a sweet gift she gave me because she asked the nurse all on her own. She says, can I stay with my mom? And so they pulled a bed in, um, and let her stay. (laughs) And so, uh, I think it's just a test. It's the litmus test, the ultimate litmus, litmus test. And I hope, I hope uh, you listening and, and Michelle and Janet that maybe you don't ever have to go through something like that. Um, I'm just, again, grateful that it didn't last for months and months. That my, my test, if you will, and finding out that, no, it wasn't cancer. You know, from the time I went in, in a date, uh, June 23rd, you know, to July 6th when I had my surgery, we were able to know fairly quickly. Yeah. But boy, these life-changing lessons where you are able to uh, measure your life, oh yeah, um, look at things and and evaluate them. So let's let's explore this a little bit. That's kind of a heavy intro, um, but there are other kinds of regrets that really do just unsettle us, and they're not um, they're not heavy and they're not weighing us down. But yet, maybe we're holding on too tightly to them and that it's time to let go. Um, whether it's light, whether it's silly, what is something that, that you've regretted and that you've thought about in your life? Well, this definitely falls in the light and maybe perhaps silly, but, um, I was given an opportunity to present myself to a group of meeting planners who hire speakers and it pretty much landed in my lap. Like I didn't have to do a lot of work for it. Mm-hmm. Um, in the speaking business, it, most of my business comes from referral, but it's also hard to get out past other networks and things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I had had this opportunity to really put something of me out in front of other people. And I was scared. And, um, when push comes to shove, I had to make a decision about what to share by a certain date. And I didn't, and I was removed from the opportunity. Mm. And Mm. I remember, I remember in that instant having an epiphany that says that regret feels worse than failure. And that what I was scared of was failing. I was scared of picking the wrong thing, saying the wrong thing to the wrong audience. I was scared that I was going to pick the wrong topic and they weren't going to like it. And I should have picked the other one in the end because I speak on two things. Um, But what I learned in that instant is that I was more scared to fail than I was to have the opportunity. And I have thought about that so many times, even something that's happened with my kids is that I, I know that regret feels worse than failure because you can learn from failure and you can redo it and you can try again, but at least you tried, at least you tried. But if you Mm -hmm. don't, then you have that. I will always have that twinge of regret that says, what if, what if I had done that and I hadn't been scared Mm -hmm. and I had been willing to say, listen, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, whatever it takes, Mm -hmm. it's going to be great. It's going to make it happen. And, and I'm the make it happen girl. So I totally went against everything I personally believe from a little fear, but I learned a really powerful lesson about the ways that we hold back that can bring us a lifetime of what if. Okay. I like that tool. Mm. Number one, don't hold back if you can choose to, to go through with it. Thank you. Jana, what about you? I know there are times I've let fear hold me back too, and especially fear of failure. That can be really mm-hmm. paralyzing. I think for me, the things that I regret are the times that I've been unkind. Mm. And me too. Me luckily, too. at least I'm not aware of a trillion of them. But <laughs> <laughs> and apologies in advance to every single person that I heard that I wasn't aware. But um, 
I, I had a thing in junior high where, um, where I said something unkind and it was simple. It was one word. It was mm-hmm. one word and it was someone had, had moved into, um, the school district where I was that I used to live in. So I knew this person like maybe five years ago from an old neighborhood and then she moved into my area and, um, she came in late to this English class, sat down right in front of me and instantly, and I can't believe I did this. This is so unlike me. Instantly I sized her up as someone that would not help my social climbing, if you will. I mean, that's a horrible thing to say. Right. And, uh, and so she turned around and she said, hi, do you remember me? And I said, no. Um, and that word lived with me for so many years that actually years later, after I was a mother, after I moved far, far away from where I went to school, I, I, um, actually hunted her down and apologized. Oh, wow. Cause I, yeah. I had to let that go. I didn't want to regret yeah. that horrible thing anymore. I like that. Mm. Well, I think what is interesting in my experience is I had for a period of time, Right after I had my surgery, I got home and started recovering a week after the surgery. And I told my husband, you know what? This feels like a rebirth. Everything's going to be fantastic from here on out. I don't feel angst. I don't feel frustration. I don't feel um, like I'm harboring any feelings towards anyone. I said, I think this is a rebirth. Well, I was sorely disappointed at my third (laughs) week out Something happened and it was that snapping. And I, and I told my husband that night, I said, Oh my gosh, I want to go back. (laughs) I want to go back to that space where I literally thought I could be a perfect person and not get angry and not get upset and not react or overreact. It was a letdown. It was a huge letdown. It was because when I had the stillborn baby, I was in a bubble. And in that bubble for a while, it was like something really sacred had happened. You were in so much grief and you had reached out and gotten so much help from up above and you're so protected. You're in this bubble. And I distinctly remember the day the bubble went away and I was like, oh Oh, no. Back to being human. (laughs) Yes, I'm human. Oh, how horrible. Well, and it, and, and you're getting, uh, you are getting these, um, these wonderful vibes from individuals, individuals reached out that I didn't even know knew I existed. And there was that feeling of, oh, we're connected. And, um, and that connectivity all of a sudden goes back to normal and they see you at the grocery store and it's not that you've gone through this intense period. I think there's just this letting go of it happened. You move on and you just don't feel as close. You don't feel as in the bubble. And, and again, I made mistakes and, you know, all of a sudden my kids, I remember them coming into the room and, um, and I couldn't quite move myself in a way off of the bed to not hurt my right side. And, um, the big dog, he's 80 pounds. He's a big furry mouse hops up onto the bed. And it was the first time I kind of yelled out and was like, Hey, you guys, don't you remember mom just had surgery, you know, and I got upset and it was that moment of, Oh, but I promised myself I wasn't going to get yeah. frustrated over this something right. so small. Right. So unfortunately we don't live in the bubble. Thank you for that yeah. analogy, Janet. Yeah. You know, we have to come back to real life, but there are some things that we can do to try and live less 
with less, fewer regrets, right? fewer regrets. So I've researched seven things that are common for people to regret. And as we walk through them, you can share experiences and so forth as we just quickly go through some of them. The first thing people seem to regret are chances that they didn't take. So there's Michelle. So there's yeah. Michelle's. That's a perfect illustration. Darn it all for those moments when we weren't brave enough or, or confident enough. Mm-hmm. Um, or vulnerable enough. Or vulnerable enough. Thank you. That's an important one. Mm-hmm. And now that you say that, there's been times when I've definitely wanted to say, wait a minute, I could have really had a great relationship with you or a really good friendship, but I I wasn't brave enough to be vulnerable. Yeah. Okay, I like that. All right, let's look at number two and see if any, in fact, this is a perfect segue. The second thing people seem to regret are relationships we didn't pursue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is there anything that sticks out in your mind, Michelle? I just think of even friends that I had in high school or in college that I think to myself, I really enjoyed them. I should have stayed in touch with them. I'm not good at keeping in touch. And I'm grateful. Like, that's one of my favorite parts about Facebook is that there are some people that I wasn't connected to for so long that I can connect with again. But even still, I think to myself, I wish we were better friends. She lives 15 minutes from me, and I haven't seen her in... 10 years and she's one of my favorite people. And so it's just some of those things yeah. I wish I did a little bit. And you know what? Even I, family, perfect. cousins that right. live far away, yes, right. aunts yes. and uncles that I, goodness, I should have spent more time yeah. connecting with them. Yeah. I had an experience where something happened in a relationship and I didn't repair it right away. Oh, and I so then literally five years went by and, um, all of a sudden, if something happened to be able to kind of just soften it a little bit, you know, we, we mm-hmm. ran into each other. We saw each other. It was a family member, actually. And it, and all of a sudden, in that moment, I was like, gosh, you know, I could have really used your sage wisdom and your advice all these five years, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we, for whatever reason, both of us were at that distance and neither one of us took that opportunity to grow closer again. Um, we're working on that now, which is really beautiful, but yeah, that's another thing people regret. So the third thing people seem to regret are feelings that they didn't express. Have you ever had a moment where you didn't express what you needed to say, wanted to say, or felt whether it was positive or maybe even we had a show earlier that, um, don't be a doormat that can also be in the reversal that Mm -hmm. you needed to speak up for yourself. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I had a kid who worked for me in California and, um, he had a girlfriend who was really insecure, so he made it a point. Every kind thought that came into his head, he would speak. Every compliment. Because you think hundreds of nice things about people all the time, whether it's, you know, you like their clothes or anything, right? right. You think kind of things. Oh, look how, look how much them. I love your smile. Say and them. he just started to verbalize everything. I thought, oh, what a great way to be. I wish I were more like that. Oh, I like that. This was um, a quote that I, I chose. This is by Shannon Alder. I like this. I, when you give yourself permission to communicate what matters to you in every situation, you will have peace despite rejection or disapproval. Putting a voice to your soul. Now I'm going to say that again, putting a voice to your soul helps you to let go of the negative energy of fear and regret. Mm. Oh, that is good. Wow. Putting a voice to your soul. And again, think of that in the different, um, examples that either we've shared, whether it being that you didn't stand up for yourself or you didn't take that opportunity or you didn't share those wonderful feelings you had towards somebody because you just let that moment slip away. 
I, I remember after my surgery, the, the doctor basically said the most important thing that you can do, Jody, is breathe and breathe deep. Wow. And they wanted me to cough a lot, which was very painful. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel good when half your lung has been taken out. Oh, I but bet. I can honestly say that it was the breathing. It was the inhaling and the exhaling. And you have this little oh, apparatus that you have to breathe into and oh. see where the little balance, you know, the little right. bubble goes to right. try and keep it in. And I couldn't even, it couldn't even get past zero. Literally the whole time I was in the hospital, I tried so hard to just get it to go past zero. But the wow. reality is, is that my right lung is going to compensate eventually for what's missing and my left lung will compensate. So I look at it like that. If we put a voice to our soul, we're going to compensate compensate for what we're not saying or for what we're not doing. We need to give our feelings and our thoughts just a voice and then we will have that peace. We will have that sense of the negative energy of fear and regret leaving us. We need to express and hopefully more positive than negative. But even in sometimes when you do need to stand up for yourself, um, you can carry that weight forever saying, Oh, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have let that experience, you know, pull me down. So really, really important to give your voice to your soul. And, and make that a practice. And you'll have to stretch and you'll, it might hurt a little sometimes because putting yourself out there and sharing what you express, you might get rejected. Mm-hmm. You might, somebody might disagree yeah. with you. The fourth thing on our list is failing to spend the time with the people that matter the most. Oh, yeah. You know, those distractions. What gets in the way? of just everyday life and the people that we love, our children, our husbands. The fifth thing is that people seem to regret worrying so much about what other people think. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. So I mm-hmm. who is in day. that boat, mm-hmm. you know? That was at the heart of my junior high regret, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I, this is, I've debated whether or not to bring this up, but this was something that really took me by surprise. I was good friends with somebody for many, many years, and I ran into this individual before uh, I had my surgery, and I hadn't seen her in a couple of years, and I was just, I guess if you know me well, I get I get nervous and I talk, or if you run into me and I'm like, oh, I'm an open book, let me tell you, I've just been in the hospital, you know, I hadn't seen her for so long, but I probably should have just been, oh, hi, how are you? Okay, been on my merry way, but she said, oh, you don't look very good. So I all of a sudden go into this big soliloquy about, oh, I just got out of the hospital, they think I have blood cancer, and anyways, mm-hmm. turn, fast forward to just a couple weeks ago, a dear friend of mine said, Um, that she'd run into this same individual. And she said, you know, she didn't believe you. Oh, that stung my heart. And it was an interesting thing. And I know it's more about the individual than it is about me. But all of a sudden, I went to this space of, oh, my heavens, I'm worried about what she thinks. How do I convince her that this was a real experience? And and my friend was kind of floored, you know, and said, I didn't know how to take that, but she really did. She asked, so you really believe that <laughs> this all you would make happened? That up. <laughs> oh, and, and sadly, there might be some people that do, you know, yeah. I, and they, yeah. but yeah. it hurt. And I, I spent way too many days, like literally probably four or five days, worrying about what this individual thought and what brought her to that conclusion. Um, and so again, my husband, he was the one that said, you know what, and, and why care? Why worry if somebody's going to, uh, to, to think that and, and what would motivate a person. But anyways, whether it's something negative that really holds us down, we have to be brave enough to kind of walk away and say, I, I shouldn't place so much value on what this person thinks, because otherwise you live with the regret of the waste of time and the worry and the stress that it caused. Would you, would you think that would yeah. be the case? Yeah. So 
All right. What about the sixth thing people seem to regret is doing enough good. So, or not doing enough good. Yeah. Yeah. That you haven't done enough good in the world. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry. You haven't done enough good. They regret not doing enough. Sorry. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's one that probably, especially for Christian women, we put at the top of our list, you know, and think, ah, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. The seventh thing that people seem to regret is living in the moment. Yeah. So, you know, putting away your devices, connecting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And not letting the distractions weigh Being you down. Spontaneous at times, maybe. Yeah. yeah. It's easy to let that time slip away, but because you can't go back, I believe that we have to make the best of the moments that we have. We have to make them matter. So this experience of going through this lung surgery, um, it did teach me a lot about regret. It taught me that maybe I'm not as grasping onto regret as I once thought. Mm -hmm. That in that moment where it was, hey, Jody, you're looking at a possible diagnosis and you know what? I mean, you can put two and two together. People don't, you don't recover from lung surgery in many cases. In fact, there were quite a few people that came out of the woodworks that said, oh, my mother-in-law passed away from lung cancer or my brother mm-hmm. died of lung cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, I didn't allow my brain to go there for very long because I wanted to be in that, in that positive space. But I'm grateful for the experience that it taught me for the fact that it let me also feel the openness to, you know what, I don't want to live in the space of regret, not for a second. Mm-mm. And I'm going to be imperfect. I'm going to make mistakes. I can list 10 things that I've done um, since my surgery. <laughs> I just am like, oh, darn it. I'm not, I'm not going to live a perfect life, but I refuse to live in regret. Any other advice before we close up about how do we live a regret-free life? We talked about what people regret, but what's the number one thing on your list for how you choose not to live in regret? I think that you have do-overs. And I think that if you make things right and you apologize and you try better next time, you can undo regret. I'm a believer in do-overs. That's what I always Mm -hmm. taught my kids. I love that word. Yeah, you can have a Uh do-over. And you need one right now. And you need one right now. (laughs) And sometimes I need one right now. Sometimes we need time out. Sometimes we need a do-over. Well, that's interesting because that was the same thought that came to my mind is the ability to make a mistake and learn from it Mm -hmm. and, and to realize that our failures do not define us. I think our response to them does. Yeah. And I think the same the same thing can be said for those moments. Like I have found that my favorite memories are the times that I lived with, without regret where I just did something. I shared a love or I took a commitment or I reached out to a friend or I did a service. All the things that you just talked about, I just got flooded with ideas of, of times where I made that decision that I was going to be open to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, in a couple of weeks we have a show called trust the process, which I think kind of leads right. into that too, that you can listen to about part of these things, how they go hand in hand in living a life without regret, but then giving yourself the permission to say, I'm a work in progress. Mm-hmm. And the more that I learn, the better I will be to be able to connect and to feel a sense of satisfaction in my life. Yes. I think realizing that we have permission to make mistakes. Yes. And that it's built into mortality, right? Mm -hmm. I think nobody on that list said their biggest regret was making a mistake. No. Right. Right. It was other big things. It was being too afraid to make a mistake to live Mm -hmm. wholeheartedly. 
Yeah. Well, and I think that the last thing I'll say about this is I know that time is wrapping up here, Jody, for you, but I think at the heart of what this is, is that we spend so much time doing the things that we think we should be doing uh, yeah. that we miss the opportunities to do the things that really light us up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And we can should all over ourselves. Should, 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 yes. should, 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 <laughs> or should all over. Yeah. And then the next thing you find is that we need to have those moments to take care of our hobbies, to mm-hmm. paint the painting, to wake up for the sunrise to um, go do the things that in the end we keep saying, I wish I could do that. And we need to just start doing them. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. In the hospital, my mom was having a really hard time coming to this uh, diagnosis. And I was, I said to my husband, if I don't have mom on board, how am I going to do this? Because everything moved so fast. I mean, I went to the ER for the third day in a row, knowing I didn't feel good and that I was getting sicker and I was shaking. I couldn't understand it. And, um, I needed, I needed doctors. I needed to follow doctors. And so one night I just said, mom, you've got to be on board. And, um, the doctor said to her, Jackie, if it's not cancer, we'll take it, but let's do everything we can in the meantime, just in case it is. I hope that we can live our life just in case. Let's take it. Let's take the miracle. Let's take living without regret. Thank you for joining us. Find some space for some living room. We hope you've enjoyed listening, laughing, and learning something new. Join us for our next show. And in the meantime, give yourself and those you love some living room. <laughs>